0: Hello, I am Sebastian Teotrio. I'm Alex Allingsworth. Welcome to The Hidden Curriculum. A podcast where we talk about all the stuff you didn't learn in graduate school. Today, we're really going to talk about workflow and why do we think it's important and maybe some cool ideas on, on how to handle workflow if we get to it. Um, Alex, you want to say hi?
1: Hey, how's it going, Sebastian? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Just ready to... Uh... Ready to get our little recording Yeah,
0: thank you for uh, joining. Um, Okay, so Alex, tell us uh, before a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a professor?
1: So I've been at uh, Indiana for five years now. So I started there in 2015 after I did my PhD in econ at the University of Arizona. So I think just one more year than you've been at UVA, right?
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. This is my. I'm finishing my fourth, or finished my fourth year, so I still got a couple more to go.
1: Not, um, not going to be junior for too much longer. Huh? Not going
0: to be junior for. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. not. Um, great. And tell us a little bit in very broad words about your research.
1: So I'm a health economist. I mostly study how regulations affect public health, and I like to look at you know a variety of regulations. So I have interest in environmental economics, um, and then substance use and abuse and access to care. So I sort of uh, publish in health policy places, health econ, and environmental econ places.
0: Awesome. That sounds great. And uh, just for completeness, I kind of do very similar. I classify myself as a health economist, so we may have biased views when it comes to research projects, Um, (laughs) but uh, that's kind of like the way we work. But hopefully we will talk in very general terms uh, for anyone who does empirical work. Great. So today we'll talk about workflow. Um, Do you want to walk us through what you think a definition of workflow is?
1: Oh, that's a tough one off the bat. So um, I can tell you, I, I guess what I want workflow to do is to be thoughtful and partially automated way of sort of making my brain do less work. Mm. So even though probably workflow is better defined as like a method or a theory or something, but like what I want out of a good workflow is a good system instead of tools to protect me from myself.
0: Right. And so it just creates a lot less frictions to just, get it done, do the work, rather than like, you know, make a lot of like uh, constraints to get the work done.
1: Yeah, um, and, and not just like in the way of doing work, but making sure what you're doing is correct. So like my <laughs> sort of default status is right. to like slowly decay into like dishevelment and chaos, and like <laughs> workflows of protection against that, right? So. Right, right. Oh, that's a really neat way to put it, I like that. Um, cool,
0: and why do you think it's important?
1: So it's important for a variety of reasons, but I'll try to like start with this uh, little example. Um, so there's this book that I like called The Power of Habit um, by Charles Duhigg, and actually like a whole section of the book is about uh, O'Neill School's namesake. Uh, the, no way! Wow. Yeah, yeah, Paul H. O'Neill, who went and he was I think like the CEO of Alcoa for a while, some aluminum company. Mm. Um, but a thing in the book, there's lots of concepts, is this idea of like a keystone habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like workflow can be a keystone habit. So mm-hmm. if you've like sort of entertained this for a minute. Um, so I think like a good keystone habit is something that puts all other good types of habits into place. Uh, and then in this book, they talk about how it can lead to multiple positive outcomes and chain reactions, you know, sort of a bunch mm-hmm. of these buzzwords. Mm-hmm. But um, why I think workflow can help do that is I think if you can work in a reproducible manner that can like easily be shared with others, a lot of other good practices and habits and things like that are going to be formed for your whole research agenda. And for me, it's really important to try to do this because like, if I didn't have to share with others, if I didn't have to like, uh, you know, if I didn't care about replicability, I think I would Mm -hmm. just have like 10,000 icons on my desktop right? Right. (laughs) and I wouldn't be able to ever do anything. And I wouldn't be sure if what I was doing was right.
0: Right.
1: So there's a whole lots of reasons why that matters. Um, Now, having a really good, organized, systematic workflow might be like a nuclear option for some people, like what we're talking about. But I kind Mm -hmm. of view this as like, you know, some people are like, oh, the Whole30 diet helped me lose weight. Well, maybe the only thing that helped you lose weight was avoiding like beer and chips. But Whole30 (laughs) like certainly got you there. And I think being organized and systematic might be an extreme thing for some people, but it will certainly develop some of these other habits along the way as sort of a necessary um, component.
0: Yeah, I I I feel that, and and I like that. I think I definitely never started having an organized workflow. It was just a series of little habits that got built into the workflow that I have now, which may not be the workflow that I have like five years from now. So, yeah, I think I see it as, and and hopefully our listeners can see it as, like, oh, I actually like that one particular practice. Maybe I'll adopt that. Um, but you don't have to adopt all these other things that we'll be talking about. Yeah, um, and I'm,
1: I'm curious, like when you were in grad school, I don't know what your like primary way of approaching <laughs> doing work was, but mine was like, do the one task I was assigned until it's done, then do the next one. Mm, it's a different now, that's right? like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I'm trying to remember. I yeah, I definitely compartmentalized. Like I think it was like, okay, I have this homeworks, and and I'll on on Tuesday I'll work on this macro homework. And then on Wednesday, I'll work on this micro homework and like, you know, make it, make progress. And then if I have a deadline, push one over the other, because I think um, what I remember in grad school is that uh, I had a really good cohort. I went to, by the way, Vanderbilt, so shout out to Vanderbilt uh, economics department, but um, I had a really good cohort my year. And so we, we, we like working together, but we'd also like working independently. So that in in itself was an environment that forced me to have the schedule of, if I need to discuss answer with my peers by Tuesday night, then I need to have part of that homework done by Tuesday night. And so that created a, like a, like an, almost like a structure to share that. Um, now, so some people that was a little bit stressful because it's like, oh my gosh, no, I don't, I can't do that. And I'm just going to join, do it on my own, which is totally fine. But going, going um, back to, I think before grad school, what I, one thing I remember doing, and I seen actually some students do whenever I work with them is, especially when we start working with data, I would like draw a raw data file. And then clean it, save it, and then erase the raw file. Right. Uh, and then just like keep doing that. And then when I wanted to change something major, I had to start all over again. Yeah. And maybe a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, that's so dumb. But that's like when I didn't know how to do things, I was like, oh, you know, it's just like, Why you, do you ever need this again? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Keep throwing you the trash out. Forward. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's a concept that, that, Changes really quickly once you learn how to do a research project. Where the raw files, you never change them; you just, they're always there, and then you have the code that cleans everything up.
1: Yeah, and I think that like transition from like being a junior researcher to like not that we're like senior researchers, but we're, yeah, we're very old. Like, we're we're <laughs> junior researchers that have made more mistakes. It's maybe a better way of putting yeah. It, right? That's <laughs> right. That's right. Like, you've deleted that file and then needed it again. Yeah, um, it it's like a reason- question. Of- yeah.
0: Sorry. It begs the question of why we sharing our mistakes to the world before we're senior people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Another mistake. Another mistake, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Never start a podcast while you're a junior. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of other reasons to care. And like one of them is like I think intrinsic, right? Like you care about you and you need to protect yourself from previous mm-hmm. you. Right. Like you might think you're gonna remember that clever thing you did on line 121. You're not. Like, oh, maybe you remember line 21, but you forget line 122. Or like, why did you have that little trick? Or maybe previous you was wrong. Right. (laughs) So. uh, Or made a typo. (laughs) Oh, heaven forbid, right? Exactly. Um, And then the other more sort of broad reason is like other researchers, right? So uh, what we're going to talk about today is like internal validity. Like if I hit run, do I get the number that I got last time I hit run? Right. And then there's a more systematic issue. Like, well, what if you're trying to actually make progress on some important scientific question or some important Mm -hmm. question in general, uh, you're going to want other people to replicate your work. You're going to want your work to be easily like what assumptions are built into it that even you don't know were built into it and making Mm -hmm. it accessible to other people, I think is important. So yeah, absolutely.
0: One thing that I'll say there is that some students and maybe grad students May think that no one's gonna replicate your work, or you know that like, oh, this is this this is such a small paper, no one really cares. Uh, that it cannot be farther from the truth. Like every paper that you know may have a contribution, even if it ends up being just a working paper, other people may be, eventually ask you for the code uh, and they want to replicate it because they they're working on something else. Like for example, I think last week I got an email about a paper that I started on my second or third year of grad school, which is years ago. And fortunately, I did I knew exactly what she was talking about. I was like, oh, here's a part of the code, but here's a full code if you want to see it. Let me know if you catch any mistakes at this point. It's published. So that's fine. <laughs> but uh uh but anyway, so it's it I think that it also tells you that like even though you may think that that project may not matter for everyone. I think you should think that twice. I think that's number one. And number two, just a plug for the Berkeley Initiative of Transparency, Transparency and something else. Bits. Have you heard
1: about this? No, I don't know anything.
0: It's like an initiative for transparency and reproducibility. Um, I went to a, a conference when I was a grad student, and uh, they really show a lot of really good practices and explain a little more in depth about transparency and and what happens if we don't have it and so on. So if anyone's interested, go check their website. I'll put it um, later in the link. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think even if you're not concerned with someone, like let's say no one ever were to ask you for your code, right? Um, I'm sure people probably will eventually ask anyone for their code for a paper, but just getting the habit of posting your code online Mm. forces you to post it online in the future. Yeah, I think this creates all sorts of nice, sort of uh consist, like the, it creates the type of behavior that you want researchers to engage in So like if i know that i'm going to post my code online because i posted every other mm. papers code online it would be gonna, really
0: fishy if you don't It did in the next it'd be time fishy if
1: i didn't and so that was that's one of my right. co-authors ivan rudick said that I'm like oh that's so smart like that's that's a that's a good <laughs> idea but it reduces your temptation to do all sorts of bad things that might otherwise be there right right like p to p hack or specification hunt uh you know, it doesn't really affect the file drawer problem so much, but it just increases the incentives to practice ethical research and it mm-hmm. improves collaboration with co authors. So, like, if yeah. you like see on my code, I'm uh, like, sorry, my website that I have some code, and then you're like, oh, I want to do this thing with you, you might be more likely to sort of uh, jump into my system that I'm comfortable using rather right. than me, like, you know, uh, being in some crazy sort of ad hoc system that, that we're setting up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Plus, and I mean, it's also like a, a resource to the community, right? Like, I, I uh, told Alex that I, uh, I went to his website because he has a code. Um, if we're talking about spin studies where, where you plot the number of units in before and after the, the treatment. And I thought it was pretty nifty and I haven't used it yet, but I it's available there and yeah. you can download it. So it's great.
1: And yeah. that's some messy uncommented code, but I was like, oh, yeah.
0: whatever, I'll put it up there, right? So. Exactly. At least the basics idea. So yeah. yeah, it's also a resource for the rest of us.
1: Yeah. And so so I sort of have some like stuff that I try to follow as like, Personal rules, but like this is all iterative, right? It's like every single project that I do is different, or like maybe mm-hmm. a co author I'm working with doesn't want to do something. So, what I like a goal of mine is to post all the code results and data mm. to GitHub or some other publicly available repository once the paper is right. published. Obviously, we're health economists. I can't be posting, like, you know, I don't have Medicare data, but if I had it, I couldn't be posting that online. Right. Um, so, at least providing instructions that are somewhat detailed of how to access that. Uh, A new thing that I'm, since I've been teaching master statistics, that's important to me. um, Mm -hmm. It's using open source software whenever possible. Mm -hmm. I still use data. It's not open source. It's pretty expensive. We're not going to
0: get into the R data debate. Yeah, no, I think
1: whatever you use is great. um, But if you, I'm trying to push towards using R just because it's freely available, right? It's just an extra thing to make it easier for people to access. Trying to make sure that stuff's well commented. And then if possible, automate stuff. Right. So if it's me copying and pasting to make a table, I'd rather not be doing that. Um, first of right. all, because I'm sort of um, neurotic about that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's just like a, I don't know, like a character trait or something. I'm like uh, uh, crazy about it, but also mm-hmm. because I know I'll make mistakes. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll forget something. I'll be disorganized. So sort of um, every time we do a project, it's a little bit different than the time before. And I think what we'll talk about today is like, if we were to start a project today, what might it look like? you know right. not necessarily like what a project would actually look like right. if we were to like go back 3 years in time and pick it up so we
0: talked about why it's important to have a workflow and what are really good reasons so now let's talk a little bit about a degree of, of how how to think that
1: what what can you tell so us so i think that? if you just try like. to be better every time you do a project than you were the time before, you'll sort of iterate towards success eventually. And there's not like some mm-hmm. correct thing that we should be doing. So I think that's like the number mm-hmm. one thing to think about. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like certainly if you go look at my code or your code, we are not, you know, a city on a hill of like wonderful workflow. We're just like two people trying to do it. Right. Um, So right. like if all, <laughs> even all you do is just use scripts instead of running everything in the command line window, you're, you're getting there, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're pushing in that direction. Right, yeah. Um, but then Absolutely. maybe the next time you make all of your tables from Stata directly. And maybe the time after that you right. post code online, but maybe just like part of it or something, you know, you can just sort of push towards so incremental. In, yeah, exactly, incremental. Yeah, incremental. Like I think a big problem, like particularly when people want to start doing version control, like, so something about this is mm. just like looking at every previously saved version of your code. Um, you might have heard the term mm-hmm. Git before is they'll like Google Git. And then they are right. like, I'm not doing this. This is absurd. And they, but that's kind of right. like starting a not, not the end, but like a very advanced, almost unnecessary uh, level of organization when just like using a do file and numbering it, one, I use this first two, I use this do file second. That's great. You're like 90% Mm -hmm. of the way there. So, so don't get too freaked out, I think is the number one thing. Yeah. Um, And then like, as just general rules of thumb being systematic and organized. Right. So we have processes, and these could be really formal. Like that's a do file is a formal process. My computer does this, then it does this other thing. Um, or it could be informal. Like the way I read this paper mm-hmm. is I always make sure I keep, you know, I write down what data set they used or I do this. Right. But it's not like you mm-hmm. literally keep an Excel file of every single paper you've ever read. Um, right. It's like starting those yeah, small habits. Exactly. Right. Of like- um, so just being systematic and organized is helpful. So I find just simple stuff, like using really clear file names and variable names. So my advisor is like one of the smartest economists I've ever met, Price Fishback. Uh, and he's notorious, all of his sort of previous RAs for using just like ridiculous variable names. But he's so oh, really? smart. You, know, like, <laughs> I, you could ask him some data set from like nineteen, you know, eighty four, and he'd be like, oh, PF42? That's like the productivity <laughs> factor from 1942 from small farms. Oh, that's like, funny. No one else is going to be able to pick that up and know that. So for me, I've like almost as a reaction probably to being an RA from that, I want to use like as detailed of a variable name as possible. And in Stata, you're a bit limited there. But um, yeah, and that sort of buttresses with documenting everything, just comments, writing up what you did and why, taking screenshots of stuff that you did, taking meeting notes. Uh, It doesn't have to be all in some like perfect system, but just like trying to do these things will be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I think right there, like something that you guys – probably already hear from a lot of other people. It's like, you know, come into your do files. And this is where that's coming from. And you can come and do files. Now, I, I also ran into the issue when I was learning all of this, that like sometimes do files are not the perfect place to put everything exactly right for a variety of reasons. So you want to have like another type of software, maybe where you record is. Some people use Word. I like to use, currently I'm using, I used to use a lot of OneNote, but now I've moved to Notion. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about right now about why I like that, but that's another software that you guys can check out for keeping your media notes and your workloads and your project notes and all this stuff. Like yeah, that. And you um, could just um, use a is, folder
1: uh, with plain text files, right? Or Word or whatever. Right? Absolutely. It doesn't matter. I think as long as you're yeah. doing it. Um, and so, the, so I've sort of got five rules of thumb. It's like be systematic and organized, document mm-hmm. everything. And then number three is just make sure you can replicate your own results. We're not even even talking about identification or that your results are correct. Yeah. Just like if you get four and you run it again, you should probably be getting four, Mm -hmm. right? Unless it's like, I guess even if it's from a random process, use a set seed so you can get four again. Yeah. Yeah. Back up everything, whether that's with Git or Mm -hmm. on some external hard drive, like you're going to lose something eventually and you want to protect yourself from that.
0: Right. Do you count drop, Dropbox yeah, here on this? For sure, right? Um, okay. um,
1: if you pay for, I don't know how it works, but I think if you pay for Pro, you get like some amount of old file access to Dropbox, like in case you were to delete it. Yeah, like version yeah. history. And um, mm-hmm. It doesn't even need to be like yeah. complete version history. You're just like, think about this as like catastrophic health insurance, right? Like you're right. protected from cancer.
0: <laughs> in case everything gets yeah. deleted. Yeah, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. And then... And this is, by exactly the way, right. sorry to just interrupt, but this is another really good reason of why to put all your code online. Because at the end of the day, if you're able to re-download the data, but then you have all your codes and they're always there in online different places, then you can get all your basically work and analysis redone. Um, if yeah, you exactly. And it might so, take
1: forever if you're like processing something that takes like 15 days, but like, hey, at least you're only 15 days away from having it instead of like, you know, could never get it again. Um, right. And then the last thing is something that I've, I did as a grad student, for sure, I still did, I do Mm -hmm. as a co-author occasionally, even though I tell myself not to, is as a general rule of workflow thumb, don't keep disparate, separate, secret versions of code and data. And what I mean by this is like, Mm. if you're like, oh, I'm working on this thing, but I'm like embarrassed for my co-author to see it, so I have it on my like desktop, and it's like Sebastian's working file or something. And then you go to your other computer and that's not synced on there, So it's not on your desktop. And then you start like another version. Pretty soon you could end up with like Mm. two or three weird files that like you're not necessarily, Mm. uh, they're not integrated into your workflow. I'm not saying Mm. share everything with your co-author, but if you're going to have like a Sebastian sandbox file, have that be in some place that is trackable across time. Yeah. And what grad students will often do, and I definitely did, was all have like what I think is my analysis that I want to run. Mm, mm. And then when I'm ready to finally share it with my advisor, I'll run it. But then in my code, I'll accidentally be linking back to the secret thing that only I have access to. Oh,
0: I see. And I'll have
1: like, I'll have like integrated all of these like weird dependencies that are not obvious to someone else. And then it's not really replicable. It might be replicable for you on your computer because you have access to those various spots. So Mm -hmm. anyways, just trying to like work with your future self, right? Mm-hmm. Be time consistent is another way of saying some of these yeah. things.
0: Uh, one thing I do to think about that is I always think about future Sebastian. What if future Sebastian would and would not have wanted? Yeah. And I, it turns out that future Sebastian has like very little memory. So I like literally <laughs> have to write down why I did what I did and where, where was the suspicions and what are all the branches that I think about escaping after I finished that analysis um, to keep those ideas. So yeah, think about your future self a lot and care about your future self.
1: Yeah, and then th- also current self matters too, right? Like time, <laughs> like opportunity cost is real. We're economists. Yeah. So you want to like reduce the cost of doing these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like a fun thing to like say all this and be like, oh, you should like, you should do this and this and this. But that's like expensive in terms of time and thought to get all this set up. So like some of those things you were bringing up earlier are really useful ways of, keeping notes in a way that just reduces the cost of being systematic. Right. Um, sort of using uh, effective means of communication that are consistent. So that's why people like Slack so much. I don't use Slack, but people love it because like right. all your comments, like if I want to scroll back and see what like you thought about table two. Mm. I oh, that's why see people that, use right? Slack. I was wondering why.
0: People use I, Slack. I don't actually use
1: Slack. So maybe, okay. like, maybe it like d- deletes after like 60 messages, but that's right. why. Right. Okay. Why <laughs> I, think use Slack. Um, I use Slack. Like I'm currently on a project, um, and we're using uh, GitHub to do all of our communication. Yeah, okay. In like an issue chat, and I love that uh-huh. for that exact reason that I can sort of like. I didn't see... realize you can chat on GitHub. I don't know if it's intended for that. It's like okay. uh, we have an issue that has sort of become a de facto chat where okay. we'll like pop in, like, "Oh, look at this new result or this," and we'll all communicate through that. Huh. Interesting. It, it works pretty well. That's awesome. Um, and then like. Making sure that you your processes work cross platform and right, um, you know all of these different things can reduce the cost of being systematic. But like I think what matters at the end of the day is like a tool doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter if you're stata or R right. or high tech or low tech. All that matters is buy-in to sort of the idea um, that you're going to try to have as your keystone habit, working in a reproducible manner that can be easily shared with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. in that, a thoughtful, partially automated workflow is going to be essential. Yeah. Just whatever that is. Right. Um, If you Mm -hmm. have a typewriter and you're using (laughs) old school punch cards uh, to run your analyses, you could implement all of these sort of concepts pretty easily.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. No, that makes sense. That's fair. And and you're right. Like the tools part are just things that maybe there's a feature that decreases the you know, the cost of doing something. But at the end of the day, if you didn't even care about doing that something, then that's there. You're not even going to get there. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. I
1: think you're pretty much like me here where you could spend like five days looking up the right task manager. System. Oh,
0: absolutely. We love that
1: kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, sure. is that really helpful? Like, right no, right but of course i definitely if it gives you I, dopamine it is <laughs> uh, right, right. fair enough right? like, that's like yeah. a different form
0: of consumption right so. right <laughs> exactly no, absolutely. Yeah. um cool so buying matters um and we get that and then i think the second point here seems is communication matters
1: oh yes yeah absolutely right like if you're not talking to future you or other collaborators that's a new word, Um, collaborators, Um, you know, it's also doesn't matter if you are doing all these things, if you're not communicating with one another and on the same page, right? Right. Like if you're really organized and I go in and like delete all your files and we're not using version control, well, that stinks, right? Right. So, So, and then what, like, let's talk a little bit about that.
0: So how do you deal with when co-authors walk into your system? And they don't keep it as good and clean as you think they should. Because I've had issues with that.
1: So you should probably ask my co-authors about how they deal with me. <laughs> not keeping <who> things <they laughs> as clean as they should be. But um, I, to this point, I'm still trying to figure out even what my system, quote mm. unquote, is. Like, I don't exactly. really know. But, um, okay. I have one example where there were two people I worked with that just, I don't think I had any interest in using like, get or anything like that, which is totally fine. So every now and then I would just take all of our code and I would upload it to GitHub.
0: Okay, so you just do it.
1: They would send me do files and stuff. And like, I don't even know if they knew that that was happening. And I was happy with that Right. and that worked for us. Our workflow was great. Right. Um, Like I was never upset about it. I've yet to be in a situation where I've been working with someone. We agreed on a set of things And then they like literally are deleting files and stuff. Like I'm probably more likely to be the guilty party, not following our our practices, even if they're my like goals. So what what did you do in your situation? So, I mean, I didn't
0: do anything. (laughs) I think what, what ends up happening is at this point, uh, I think for, for a while, a lot of some of the projects that I did, I always work with like senior people. And so I was in a very like junior mentality of like, follow the senior, everything that the senior Mm -hmm. person says is true. Um, I think I've evolved from that a little bit, but, uh, and so it, it's, so it, it started to become a little bit disorganized. And I think what I end up doing is once we hit a nice resting point for the project, um, whether that's like, we have a finished draft or or something like that or finished analysis, then I would go and do the cleanup, um, and, and try to like organize our folders and be like, okay, this is where our presentations are, which is, this is where our do files is clean up some of the do files. So I would just basically do the cleanup because I think I, I realized that because I wanted to maintain it, but I but if if for some reason I didn't want to impose that cost of maintenance on my co-authors. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'll do this. It would be nice, you know, if, if we keep the same format. But I think I, I also would say that like the way I currently schedule do do organize things, I, I try to I try to I like I do try to think about it in a very like if a person walks into my system, how easy it is for them to adopt. And I try to make it as easy as possible. So I I would say that like very few times I actually had to run into this. Um, and the one time I did, I just had to do the cleanup. So I don't I don't necessarily have a good answer other than like, but I think it's kind of like what you did, I guess, which is like, well, I did the H- GitHub part, right? Of yeah. Things.
1: So yeah. And like, I don't know, I have this point for like when we're going to talk about our actual folder organization, but like, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not true for you, but it's certainly true for me. like, obviously your project's not going to like Start off perfectly organized. Your folders will be perfect. You won't know which yeah. do file to run after which, and it will become crazy disorganized and require reordering and like mm-hmm. regular maintenance, right? So like yeah. this is sort of what I I think probably because of my fault, maybe my like co-authors, particularly Ivan, would like naturally maintain like a perfectly clean GitHub repo, mm-hmm. like all everything's perfectly organized. Mm. I don't. Stuff gets there's unused files. There's yeah. stuff that I've edited that's around like every now and then we'll go through and clean all of it up and make sure it's perfect
0: right it's like then, a, I think about it as a kitchen right it's like yeah. if you're gonna use it every day this means it's gonna have to be clean every day you know sometimes you gotta leave the dishes there watch some Netflix yeah. and then come back and do the dishes later yeah. so
1: and I yeah. may be more likely to just clean my kitchen before company comes over There's okay. other people tidy it up <laughs> that
0: day. is such a good way of putting it right it's like okay before we restart working on this <laughs> we'll go ahead and clean the folders and stuff yeah. like that but
1: it's clean when people show up right right, right. no
0: absolutely Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us. If you have any questions, please send us an email. Our emails are both available online. Um, and if you have any other ideas or topics that we could talk about, or people do you want to see in the podcast, uh, let us know. But this was Alex and Sebastian. Thank you for having
1: us. Thank you much.